This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, August 17th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the governor extends his mask mandate and provides guidance for high school activities. Then, one Mississippi community college has hundreds of students quarantined after an outbreak. We check in with the college's president. Plus, some 19th century painters are making an impression at the Mississippi Museum of Art. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Governor Tate Reeves is extending his executive orders, which include a statewide mask mandate and social distancing until the end of August. Reeves made this announcement last week during a press briefing. He says he's encouraged by the decline in daily cases over the last week and encourages residents to remain diligent. So the numbers are going in the right direction. That is something we should be proud of. Certainly something that I am proud of, but I also know that that just gives me even more reason to work even harder over the next several weeks. Because if we can have two more weeks, like we had the last two weeks, and we can cut these numbers in half again, then we will be in a much better position, and we'll be back near where we were in the March and April time frame in terms of community spread. If we stop working now, if we pretend like we've done our job, then the numbers are going to go back up very, very, very quickly and very rapidly. Reeves also sees the downward trend as a promising sign for high school and college athletics. He says many students need sports or activities as a motivator to maintain grades and succeed. One of the open questions has been about sports and other extracurricular activities. First of all, we can be adults. We can admit that every activity in life carries risk. There is a reason that ambulances are parked outside of high school football games in a normal year. We also know that we can and we must manage those risks. I believe that sports and these other activities are instrumental in the lives of young Mississippians. They teach discipline and responsibility in a way that cannot be replicated in a classroom. For many, it's these extracurricular activities, it's football, it's soccer, it's band, it's other things that are the ticket to a college degree in a new life. For the rest, they provide a structure and an incentive to learn. I don't know how many more high school dropouts we would have in this country without sports. Some in academics might say, well, that's foolish, and maybe it is, but I do know this, it happens. It happens in every single high school across Mississippi, and it happens in every single high school across America. 
to manage the risk associated with high school sports and activities. Reeves is limiting crowd sizes at those events. He says for each student participating in the event, two people can sit in the crowd to watch. The restriction applies to indoor and outdoor events. Reeves says masks will be required indoors and where social distancing is not possible. Reeves is placing enforcement of those restrictions at the school level. He also says the opportunity to have high school activities should incentivize school communities to adhere to the order. If you think playing sports is important, and I do, but if you think it and you're a parent, if you believe it and you're a school district administrator or a teacher, then help us do this right. Help, help us make sure that this executive order is enforced, that, that it is done the right way, because as long as we continue to see numbers fall, then we're going to allow we're going to we're going to allow sports to continue, and we're going to look for ways to expand crowd size. But if the numbers don't fall, if the numbers turn around and tick back up, then we've got a whole other conversation that we've got to have. We got to have, and so you know it's you know what, what is the incentive to do right? Um, it's not me writing the words on a page. And signing an order, yeah, some people will, will participate in that because some of us are rule followers. But if you really want to play sports for the entirety of the fall, if you want to get through the entire season, work with us. Enforce this if you're a local school leader. Understand if you are a parent that this is just the way it is. And we're trying to do things uh, to get through this. More high schools are set to begin classes this week. Mississippi State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs says schools in 38 counties have COVID-19 outbreaks. He says 109 teachers and 69 students have tested positive for the virus. That's placed nearly 750 people under quarantine. His department is also reporting new deaths in younger age demographics. We sadly have seen deaths in some younger individuals in Mississippi this week. We're reporting the death of um, one teenager with no underlying medical conditions and also um, a young pregnant woman in her early 20s. A reminder that although severe illness and death in young people is unlikely, it does occur, and we should all redouble our efforts to make sure that we prevent transmission. If we're looking at the schools, so far we have 38 counties with schools reporting cases of coronavirus. Within those different schools, and it's more than 38 schools, it's just that's the number of counties, we have 109 teachers who are confirmed cases and 69 students. Dobbs says the Department of Health is monitoring transmission in school communities and will work with districts to make sure cases in schools are reported. We are uh, performing uh, surveillance of daily cases or, or, or actually weekly cases through the Department of Health and are mandating reporting from each school to the Department of Health so that we can monitor activity. This is applicable both to private and public schools. We have also assigned nine outbreak teams throughout the state. Each county will have a specific outbreak team that's there to assist not only with uh, responding to outbreaks but also for answering questions. And we've been in regular communications with school leaders to make sure that they know that they can contact them for assistance. And in regarding to schools, we'd like to reiterate that uh, shields, face shields do not supersede the need for masks. Masks are still required. Shields are an added element of protection, but masks are still necessary. Um, we have also at the Department of Health instituted our new 
um, surveillance software, and we're um, seeing improved efficiency. So hopefully we'll have better operations going forward, even than we've seen thus far. Coming up, one Mississippi community college has hundreds of students quarantined after an outbreak. We check in with the college's president. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Hundreds of students at a community college in North Mississippi are quarantined after a coronavirus outbreak during the first week of school. Nearly 300 students who began in-person classes at Northeast Mississippi Community College in Boonville last week are now quarantined after at least nine cases of COVID-19 were confirmed on campus. Also in quarantine are more than 25 employees. College President Dr. Ricky Ford tells our Ashley Norwood the high number in in quarantine are the result of the response measures the college has put in place to limit transmission. Well, I think it's uh, a little bit misunderstood, you know, the word quarantine and then positive cases, because we only have about nine students that have tested positive on campus, but that in turn creates a situation where we have to quarantine students. Now, the system that we have in place, each one of our students and faculty get an email from us uh, every morning at 6 a.m., and there are questions on there. Have you uh, experienced a, a fever or a temperature rise? Have you been in contact with someone who is COVID positive? And if you answer yes to any of those questions, then it immediately alerts their advisor, their division head, and then the vice president of instruction, and they will receive that email back saying that someone has, that person has answered yes. We immediately begin the tracing protocol, which we contact that student and say, okay, tell me what your symptoms are. And if they say, well, I have a temperature of 102 or something like that, and we say, okay, you stay at home or you stay in the dorm, you stay where you are, and then go get tested. And when they go get tested, if it tests positive, then that begins the tracing protocol that we have. Okay, where were you yesterday? And how many classes were you in yesterday? And we're carrying a little bit farther than a lot of people do just for safety of our students and for safety in the community and also to combat this coronavirus from moving, you know, getting, getting worse than what it is. Yeah. Now, now with the protocol, you know, I'm sure a lot of thought and effort went into it. Um, and, and, you know, with, with coronavirus and there being, you know, this being still a very new, uh, disease and there's so much Absolutely. to learn, you know, we're doing the best we can. But I wonder just, um, how easy is it to explain this protocol or to get young people, students involved in, in understanding exactly what it means when you say, we need you to quarantine, like don't come to class. <laughs> like how is that for yeah. younger students? Well, the instructors, the instructors on the very first day, that's part of their syllabus. We added it to the curriculum. That's part of their syllabus. They explained to them the process of quarantine. We also had to educate students, and, and you've probably seen this too, we had to educate students on how to wear their mask. 
You know, people will come put a mask on, their mouth's covered, but their nose is not covered. So we, we've got an issue there. Uh, and with young people, they don't quite understand that, uh, and even adults. But the process, we haven't had but very few uh, questions concerning the quarantine um, because they understand it. And we, our instructors did a great job explaining it to them, and we did a great job explaining it to them through our orientation. Um, all of our students go through an orientation class, and we explain that along with a whole myriad of other things, too, that they need to understand. But it's just about educating educating them going forward so 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 now i'm wondering the class sizes um how you know what are the limits there? we're about 20 to 25 we had about class sizes were about 30 to 35 so we reduced the class size they're down to about 25 now now is testing on campus if we have a student that uh, exempt exemplifies symptoms we just send them up to the clinic up here, and we have a clinic that works with us, and uh, they they do the testing there. Gotcha, gotcha. And and one thing also, um, with so many students having to quarantine, what is um, how are you guys handling housing? Is there space on campus specifically for? <laughs> we have students? yes, we have we we thought way ahead of this thing, and we we retained about eighteen dorm rooms. Uh, for the quarantine purposes. And first thing we do, well, we only have about 750 students that are in the dorm that live on campus. And we have about um, 22, 2300 that are commuters. But anyway, the ones that are in the dorm, you know, we ask them, okay, can you go home? Because we'd rather them be at home than them be in the dorm if they're positive uh, with COVID. And most of them had rather go home anyway. So they go home. But we ask the question, okay, can you go home? Some of them have elderly parents, grandparents, or maybe someone at home that, that they don't want to take take the COVID into and put them at risk. So they say, well, I can't go home. So we put them in, we isolate them in a uh, dorm room. Dr. Ricky Ford is the president of Northeast Mississippi Community College. Classes begin today at Meridian Community College. President Dr. Tom Hubner says although there's no current outbreak, it's critically important for students and employees to practice good judgment when they interact with others on and off campus. We've had a handful of cases um, already throughout the course of the last few months. Um, we, we continued classes uh, so, okay, so our, our university transfer general education courses uh, moved all online in the spring, um, and we moved significant segments of our, <clears throat> what we call our career technical or um, our hands-on program courses, which would include a number of healthcare-related programs, nursing, uh, as well as programs in uh, traditional career technical. You might think of them as skilled trades, for example. Uh, moved as much of those that coursework online as we could, but there were hands-on elements that we had to complete in order for those students to graduate or get certifications or licenses, licensing, for example. So we brought those students back in groups throughout the the, the latter part of the spring semester and were able to complete that entire semester with with a, a probably about. 300 plus students coming back to campus and so we've we've kind of been in we've 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 not um managed the volume that we're about to have to manage but we've been managing this issue for a number of months 
on okay. campus. Okay. And we've, we've abs- yeah, we've absolutely, we've had, we've had instruct, we've had a couple of instructors who've had it. We've had other personnel who've had it. Um, we've had students who have had it. And in all cases, we were able to implement our, our policies to keep it from spreading further. Mm-hmm. And that was during uh, the summer months. But currently, right now, right, it's safe right. for me to say there is no outbreak at the college as of this moment. No, there's there's no there's no there's no outbreak at the college at, at currently at all. No, okay. we um, I haven't checked the numbers today. So I, I, I suppose it's possible that something's happened in the last 24 hours. But I we certainly don't have any uh, outbreak occurring right now. No. Gotcha. So, um, you know, like yeah. you said, you, you, you've been able to manage this throughout the summer and, and, you know, if you were working with a smaller number of people. So, right. um, That's what right. are some of the biggest challenges now as you're preparing for, you know, just full on semester? Right. Well, obviously we're, we're, we're thinking about a number of different things. Um, um, you know, getting the word to our students, um, our faculty and staff, we've we've really driven this home, and and we're communicating to students that if they have any symptoms, they need to stay away. And and I know sometimes people just may not even be aware uh, of particular symptoms. And then <clears throat> some of the things that are difficult for us as humans, uh, we have a hard time wanting to socially distance. So uh, that's important. Just just the thing I think um, we probably are most concerned about, at least I am people using good judgment uh, and not becoming too comfortable with, you know, their normal, usual ways of interacting with others, but instead um, remember to take those precautions uh, no matter where they are and uh, what they're doing. Dr. Tom Hubner is the president of Meridian Community College. Coming up, some 19th century painters are making an impression at the Mississippi Museum of Art. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Some of the big names that travel up and down the highways, obviously Elvis and Johnny Cash, and you had Jerry Lewis, Carl Perkins. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Johnny Cash suggested that Carl write a song called Blue Suede Shoes. That was all kind of created with Aaron Amory. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. After briefly closing during the early months of the pandemic, the Mississippi Museum of Art is back, welcoming patrons to a variety of galleries. On view now through January 10th, Van Gogh, Monet, Degas, and their times. The Mellon Collection of French Art from the Virginia Museum of Fine Arts showcases major schools of French art, including Romanticism, Impressionism, and Cubism, spanning 150 years. Betsy Bradley is director of the museum. She says the beauty and color of the new exhibit is a great way to welcome visitors back. We were closed for almost three months. Um, We had this beautiful exhibition up, but no one could see it. And we also just missed a lot of revenue. There were weddings on the books and um, a lot of events that people wanted to have here at the museum, which really does impact our financial position. However, we reopened on July 8th and have had a great response. We have a lot of safety 
measures in place. We're selling timed tickets, and um, people are really responding. They seem thrilled to be able to be in a space that feels a little bit like normal, but it's also peaceful and beautiful. And it's also roomy, so people can easily do the six-foot distancing. Absolutely, and we have um, lines on the floor to help people navigate that and stay apart from each other, um, as well as, you know, of course, requiring masks um, and lots of cleaning and hand sanitizing stations around the building. With your reopening came this new exhibit, which I think is so exciting, Van Gogh, Monet, Degas, and their times. I mean, who doesn't like one, if not all of them? It really, you know, we never could have predicted, of course, um, the coronavirus or a pandemic, but it really is kind of the perfect exhibition to have up right now because it's just sheerly beautiful. Mm -hmm. There are beautiful works by the greatest names in French art during the late 18th to early 20th centuries. Um, So it's really a stunning exhibition of 74 gems. And I know with um, with Monet, it'd be, it would be relaxing. <laughs> I think all of his artwork is relaxing. <laughs> right, right. Well, if you just kind of let the colors wash over you and um, and and enjoy his ability to really capture um, light and movement um, and serenity um, in a single image. Can you tell us about some of the? the works of art that we might recognize starting with Van Gogh? Sure. The, there are three Van Gogh paintings in the exhibition. Um, one is uh, a small painting of um, a boat by the Seine River in Paris, um, and one is a view of a field from behind the hospital when he was when he was having health issues and a little still life of some daisies in a terracotta pot. Um, And you can really see how his his artistry evolved so quickly over the last years of his life. Um, There's also a beautiful statue of the little dancer, aged 14, by Degas, that people will recognize um, but rarely get to see in real life. Um, So that's really beautiful. There's some other Degas works, paintings of horses um, that are incredibly beautiful. Um, so it really does reflect the personal collecting habits of Paul and Bunny Mellon, who owned all of these works. This is not the only exhibit you have. This one runs until January. What what date in January? January 10th. All right. But you have uh, you have ongoing exhibits, of course, but you also have um, a few other exhibits that, that people need to see now because they'll be going away at some point? Well, right now we have um, this exhibition open. We have our, quote, permanent collection exhibition open, New Symphony of Time, and a small exhibition of French works from our permanent collection. Um, so... Those um, are going to be here equally as long as Van Gogh, Monet, Degas, and their times. How much time would you recommend people should plan to spend at the museum? Well, depending on how many exhibitions they want to see, between one and two hours. 
And what is the admission price? The admission price is $15 for adults, um, 13 for seniors, and $10 for college students. It's free for members, free for students on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and free for children ages 5 and under. And that's just for the Van Gogh Monet Degas exhibition. The New Symphony of Time is always free to the public. What is your website so people can see exactly what they will be seeing? It's www.msmuseumart.org, and people can purchase tickets for particular times on the website. Betsy Bradley is the director of the Mississippi Museum of Art. I'm so glad you're back open, and I wish you the very best moving forward. Thank you, Betsy. Thank you, Karen. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.